So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero's always 10 years away. I'm never going to be a hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. Hey everyone, how's it going? Phil here. Hope you're all sheltering in place. This has been a very unusual couple of weeks here, but hopefully all of you are staying safe. Real fun episode today. We talked a little bit about our childhoods and things that have changed and things that maybe our kids are going through that we didn't go through. So we had a lot of fun recording this one. Hope you enjoy listening to it. I do want to take a quick moment to recognize my friend Brian. He lost his uncle Albert. Um, this week, and so just wanted to let you know, I know you're listening, um, thinking about you, can't wait to get that steak dinner with you once uh, all this coronavirus stuff blows over, and uh, if you need me, you know where to find me. So, you and I were talking about growing up, and when we were kids, and I think it's interesting because we've gone through... Our generation has gone through the analog world into the digital world, right? So we can remember a time when there wasn't even cable TV and what that meant and what it meant for the family and friends and neighborhood and all that. And then we saw the rise of all sorts of stuff as we grew up into where we are today. So, man, we can reminisce on some of the stuff. And I guess we should start with, like for me... The earliest memories, right? For some reason, when I go back, I don't know about you, it's like all about the holidays. Like I have all this memory of extended family around holidays and like what the technology was and like, I don't know if you remember those big lights like in the 70s, those big color oh, bulbs yeah. and stuff. Like nothing was plastic. They were like these big old honking bulbs. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember my nan and pop-up had a Christmas village and that was always a cool thing. And so we grew, we, we always celebrated huge on like Christmas Eve because it was, um, all the family was up in Northern Jersey and we were, we had all moved down to the shore. So I always remember, man, like I can remember in a station wagon, like listening to the radio Mm -hmm. and, um, like I've gone on YouTube and listened to like top 40 hits and all that. Cause the songs would play over and over again. There was no Spotify streaming CDs. You must not have listened to the radio recently. Because it's pretty much the same song. <laughs> like, gotcha. um, what's that dude's name? I forget what his name is now, but he's uh, he's pretty much on every fifteen seconds. Nice. I have not listened to the radio in I don't know how long. I uh, everything is literally Spotify or Amazon Music with me, and Apple Music too. I kind of have them all in my car now with CarPlay. Mm-hmm. So I have all my workout lists and I've got top lists and then I can like just pull up any song I want by talking to the car. Yeah, that's high so tech. So why man. are you doing that, man? Why are you why are you such an old guy that you're listening to the radio? I don't. Do you- I, I listen to podcasts in my car. Oh, good. I don't I listen to the radio cuz there's only so much Katy Perry I can listen to before I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, man. Where, where do you want to begin? Like, what what do you think is interesting to people 
my kids see, I always, I think it's important to kind of talk about this stuff because the older I've gotten, the more I realize it's gone forever. Yeah. And for me, when I, when I thought about this topic, it was like communication. Like that to me was like the one thing that's just so vastly different was communication. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, do you, I remember going into a phone store, like it was the phone company. Mm-hmm. And I think this was like Bell. It might've been Bell because Bell uh, like there was no, I think AT&T was the long distance. And so I remember like you had to like rent a phone for your house. Like it was a big deal <laughs> to pick out a phone. Do you remember this? I don't remember I that. Super, no. I was super little man. And I remember looking at all the phones and they were rotary. Mm-hmm. There weren't, like the, the 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 push button ones were just coming out, but they charged the phone company charged you more money if you wanted to use the um, the push button versus the rotary phones. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I remember that was like a big deal that we upgraded to the push button phone, and then it was like one of those yellow '70s phones that had like a cord that was like thirty feet long that you could run across your whole house mm-hmm. because nothing was wireless. Yeah, I do remember just having one phone in the house. And then like as time went on, we got more phones around the house. And that was a big deal because then eventually I got my own phone and my brother got a phone and stuff. It was like, you know, we were living uh, and, I, and I had my own phone number. Yeah, that was huge too. I, um, there was no, this was pointed out to me. So I, um, my mother-in-law was doing some uh, family research for us. And she came across our old phone number from when I was a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the prefix was 270, but there was no area codes back then, which I had totally forgotten about. Yeah, yep. That came later. So you just had a prefix with the four numbers, which was super easy to remember in school. And then 201 in Jersey back then was the Jersey Shore where I was. And now it's I was north. 201 too. Yeah. And then that, that was like before 732 and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, 908, like all those came later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but so, like communicating with my friends was was not like, compared to what my kids go through now where the parents contact the other parents and then they set up some kind of like, yeah, I'll bring you over or whatever. I mean, even the older kids, oh my goodness, they'll, yeah. like, they'll like text each other. But when I was a kid, it was like, if they didn't pick up the phone, I got on my bike and I just went to their house and knocked on their door. That's like, that's unheard of now. Yeah, now it's a little scary when the door... Somebody's at the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> I um the way it was for me was like the phone wasn't even a thing. Like the phone I don't remember until I was older calling friends. When I was little, like I remember like Star Wars is out, right? And I still have my big wheel. And it was the neighborhood kids and there was one street where everyone like would go and it was where the court was. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to go hang out you just knew that's where you went. So right. there would always be somebody there hanging out. And usually your friends would be there hanging out. And I want to say it was probably now, if I think about it, because my next door neighbor had three boys and a girl. There was a boy across the street. So that's uh, four, five, right? Two across, six, seven, eight, nine. So there was nine kids in the neighborhood I would hang out with. Um and they were all different ages and they weren't all like, we weren't all on friendly terms, you know, always had conflict with different people, but there was kids around. Yeah. 
and it was a general area that you, and that was the thing too, was that my parents assumed I was in that area and you were responsible when the streetlights came up. That was the big thing. Like, is there even street, I guess there's streetlights still around, right? I guess it depends on the neighborhood. Yeah. When that stuff came on automatically. Yeah. You knew it was time to go home. Yeah. Or you heard your mom yelling. Yeah, my mom. Door. My mom would yell to me and my brother in German that it was time to eat dinner, and it would echo like through three <laughs> three blocks in every area because she's got a set of pipes. And so once we heard it, like all my friends would just be like, "All right, we'll see you later, Phil. Have a good one." And and me and my brother would just go home. It's just how it went, and that was it. You were home at that point. But otherwise, my yeah. parents had no idea where I was. It was the same thing. Like I had. You know, pretty much every house on my street had a kid my age or, you know, a year older, a year younger, whatever. And I just went down the street and wherever people were, that's where I went. We did whatever they were doing or or figured it out. It's totally different than it is now. Yeah. And a rite of passage in that environment, if I think about it, was like getting your first bike. Like I remember going to a bike store. I don't know why this just came in my head, but it was Patty's Pedal Power. That was the bike store. Uh, growing up. And um, when you got your bike, that was freedom for you because then you could go across the entire neighborhood um, and parks. And so by my house, I think you remember where this park was, Caddis Island Park. Yeah. Um, When I think about it, it would go all the way out into like the inlet. Like you could see over to Seaside Heights and you could see um, Portly Beach. You could see all that stuff, right? And so I used to ride my bike all the way to the end of that pier. So you would see out over Silver Bay, Shelter Cove, like basically by myself in the woods Mm -hmm. through like trails, like miles of trails. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I had had two completely distinct experiences. I had, um, when I was was young, we lived in this gigantic development. It was kind of like what what you grew up in, but it was... um, Everything was just real slow. Like there were no main streets or anything. It was just the sprawling development. And I would just bike wherever. Like I could bike from one end of the development to the other. I mean, it probably wasn't that far, but for me, it seemed like miles. And um, and then my family moved when I was in like fourth, fifth grade. And all of a sudden I lived in the middle of nowhere. Like I was in the middle of cornfields and I had one friend who lived like a a half a mile in one direction. And then I made another friend who lived a mile in the other direction. And that was like my whole crew. And so eventually I gravitated towards the friend that was a mile away because he had a lot of neighbors and stuff that were in the area. And and, um, that was just my crew until I got old enough to like drive, but I was in the middle of nowhere. It's completely different now. It's much more developed. Like there, you know, all the McMansions sprouted where the cornfields were and stuff. But when I was a kid, like I was in the wilderness every single day. I was climbing trees. We were always in the woods and we were just out. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny that you said when I was a kid, cause that's what I'm always afraid of with this. Cause my kids tease me. They always do the dad voice and they go, when I was a boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, like, this is I'm the episode. Afraid. This is the episode where we, you know, we, we went, uh, Uphill both ways of the snow to school and all that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like I'm on Google Maps right now. I'm actually I'm like looking at the park that I used to go through. Um, and man, a lot of the buildings around it now are closed. It looks like it's so funny how like neighborhoods can change over time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, my my town growing up was. I actually I brought my my kids to my first like the house that I grew up in, and I also have dreams about that house all the time. Wow! I guess it it affected me more than I thought when we when we moved, because I'm constantly having dreams that I'm back there and I'm looking for all my own old friends and stuff. And I've connected with with two of them on Facebook, two or three of them. But, um, but like one of them is never on there. Uh, like, it's just, it's, it's odd because there's other people that I was seeing every single day that, that I completely lost touch with. And probably like my best, my two or three best friends before I moved, I haven't talked to since, you know, since I moved, like we, I had one birthday party that year where my parents, like I didn't have any friends in our new house. And so they, they invited all my old friends over and like, I didn't even know that I would never see these people again. You know, it was just like, Oh, okay. Hey, they came over, you know, we, we did a sleepover, this and that. And then they were out of my life forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. That's the thing. When you get older, you don't realize the, the, um, I don't know what, I, I don't even know if it's impact. It's like, um, it's like when you see a movie when you're super little and then you watch it when you're an adult and you're like, this is garbage. But when you were little, yeah. it was the most amazing thing because your, your brain's <clears> not throat> like throat> fully developed. So I think things have bigger impacts when you're little mm-hmm. than that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, it was just like, you know, I had this very idealistic view of, of the world. Like probably all kids do. I mean, I think every kid – you know, it's like, you know, even kids today, they're going to look back and be like, my childhood was perfect, you know, even though it was so much different than ours. You know, we just, um, you know, that one TV show, I forget, was it, was it, um, what was the show with, with um, Fred Savage? Was that his name? Oh, yeah. Growing Pains. Was it Growing Pains? Yeah. Like that was... pretty much captured. Oh, wait, man. Captured. The Wonder Years, that's what it was. The Wonder Years. That captured our childhoods, I think, pretty well. You know, it was kind of like... And a lot of the movies actually from that time period captured our childhood pretty well. And our kids will never have anything like that. Like it was just, it was a very free and kind of carefree time. Nowadays, the parents are basically orchestrating every like minute of kids' lives. You know, it's like they're driving them everywhere. They're bringing them to this. You got, you know, cheer at this time. You got soccer practice. You come home, you do this, you do that. You know, it's like everything is very choreographed. I had none of that when I was a kid, you know, it was just, just a completely different experience. I know they had it so easy. <laughs> they like, I always joke around with my parents. Like I was just thrown in a playpen. Remember playpen? Mm-hmm. That's not even like a thing no, now, but it was like, it was basically kid prison. You just throw a kid in there and they would mm-hmm. just ramble on for hours, maybe throw them a block. Yeah, but- my mom tells me this story where I was on my big wheel and she was kind of like watching me while she was talking to the neighbor. And, you know, all of a sudden she like, who knows how much time passed by, but she realized I was nowhere in sight. And so, so they're calling for me, they're looking for me. And finally they get in the car and they start driving. And I had big wheeled about a mile and a half from my house down the street (laughs) (laughs) and was completely oblivious. I was just cruising along. I must've been four years old. Wow. Like, you know, just a different time. Yeah. yeah. Now all the helicopter parents like you that would never happen. Well, it's also there's a lot more danger nowadays, I think. I think there wasn't as um uh people knew each other. Like I we're mm-hmm. we're fortunate enough where we are now, uh and it's only it hasn't even been a year yet, but where we are now, like um people are are looking 
in the neighborhood. Like if somebody's there, that's not supposed to be, I haven't had that in a while. Like I remember, um, I needed to have my water line worked on and, um, cause we didn't have, I think I told you this, like we, um, something happened where the, 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 um, the valve actually broke. So the water to the house, it had to be shut off in order to change it. And so I was having a general contractor out and this is probably, yeah, this is at night too. Cause they had a flashlight and they went to go change the, to the valve in the front. And my neighbor came out in his car and was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and he was like, Oh, they're like, you know, we're working with Dave. Like, but he like checked up on, I did. It was, it was nice. You know, like I, and that's the way it was where I think, if my parents called and they um, like I didn't answer, which was rare, they would call a neighbor and the neighbor would be like, oh, yeah, I see Dave's over at so and so's house or like there was just eyes on kids. And I feel like mm-hmm. today there's like even when I go, I don't know about you, but like when I go to like parent things, even when I was going to soccer games and stuff. Like I made it a point to watch my kids play the whole game. Like that's why I was there. But a lot of these parents mm-hmm. were on their phones. Oh yeah, are they wait in the car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was I like, mean, every, everyone's different. Like I, um, I don't. When my kids are at stuff, I just I'm not about socializing with the other parents. You know, maybe that's part of my personality is that I'm a little more introverted. But when I go there, I'm all eyes on what they're doing, and that's uh, that's it. Like that's what I'm there for. Yeah. And if I've got the rest of them with me, then I let them know. Like you know, I'll play with you, but. I want to, I want to see what's going on here. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, that's, that's part of that. That's, that's something we should talk about though. I mean, you're talking about communication and stuff, right? And so back then the way that you found out what was going on in the neighborhood was talking to people in the neighborhood. Like I, yeah. did you have this? I had my dad, well, I guess it was a little different with the, um, with the house, but I remember my dad would be out working in the yard and I, I grew up in a very blue, blue collar you know, like lower middle-class neighborhood. So there was no like big houses where people take care of lawns. Uh, everybody did it themselves. So everybody, oh, yeah. you know, did was everything out. themselves. Yeah. Plumbing, and, carpentry, like yeah. fix your car, change your own oil, your brakes, all that stuff. People get, people pay for someone to do just about everything now. Yeah. And so everybody was outside doing that stuff. And so I remember my dad would be working outside on stuff. And the other two dads from the two houses one was on the side and one was like almost behind us, but still on the side would be out. And I remember them all just like meeting at the fence Mm -hmm. and sometimes they would talk for like two hours. Yeah. It was was like, what was going on? And and then my dad would come in and be like, Hey, I don't want to name names, but he's like, I was talking to blah, blah, blah. And his son said, you know, like, so it was like, that's Mm -hmm. how I found out about jobs or who's working where and what was kind of going on. Right. And my my parents, I don't remember them ever inviting anyone over for dinner or anything like that, but they knew everyone, they talked to everyone, like somehow it just sort of, it was just a community, completely a community. Until, again, until we moved and we were in the middle of cornfields, there was really no one to uh, to, <laughs> to talk to then. But when I was in the development, my parents knew every other set of parents on the street. And in some cases, you know, they were friends and I was friends with their kids and it was just like a tight thing. It was, it was just super cool. I mean, I just remember thinking back, you know, you just, you never felt uncomfortable leaving your house. I, I could go around the block and still feel like there was I remember a guy three blocks down when the ice cream truck came, he bought me ice cream like it was no big deal. It was like yeah. him and he bought me ice cream, bought his kids ice cream. And it was just like, that's kind of how the community was. 
And you know what's and and so that's that you know that's analog community I think versus digital community. And mm-hmm. what's funny is because you and I met in college, and if I start to think about my neighborhood in college, there was definitely a shift. Yeah. And I used to think it was just because I was getting older, but now I started. I'm starting to think of. I mean, you were looking at. Um, yeah, there was DVDs by then, so there's like Netflix and Blockbuster, and just like I remember that shift where people weren't out as much when by the time I was in college versus when I was younger, yeah. in that same yeah. neighborhood. Uh, it kind of gotten, uh, I don't want to say isolated, but a little more insular. You know? Yeah, I mean, again, think about it, right? So. It was like ride your bike and then all of a sudden, you know, you got old enough to where you can call people. And so now you're calling people on their landlines. And then at some point, um, pagers came out. And so that was a thing. I never had one, but all my friends did. So you can get uh, in touch with people with pagers. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I remember our first jobs together and I could email you. um, You and I would email back back and forth to each other, which was like, when I was a kid and I went on, I would go visit my, my, uh, my grandparents for the summers. I would have to like write a letter and put it in the mail and stamp it and stuff. And, and now um, it's not even email. It's like texting and, and even like voice audio messages that you, you know, you send me, which are lovely and other things like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was basically uh, back then it was what became hotmail. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, um, that was like the first web-based email mm-hmm. was around that time too, to be able to send email from anywhere you had a browser, which was like a big deal. And I, you know, I was a geeky kid with Commodore and everything. So I remember going back even like I had a 300 baud modem when I was in sixth grade and I was dialing up to BBSs. And so I always had the, it's like the early forums of the internet, you know, mm-hmm. but um, and what was super interesting was you had the kids from the local town, but there would only be a couple like my age because a lot of them were older people. And then they would have um, this thing called Usenet. I don't even know if it's still around, but it was basically these groups that would post – like think of it like a, like Reddit basically, mm-hmm. right? But it was yeah, from the entire country. And what would happen is the local BBS – so everything was fed because this is early internet. This is actually pre-internet. So – um, everything was very academic based. And so what would happen at night is all the colleges and universities would gather everything up and then you could dial in and download it. So you would, you would, uh, it was super interesting. Like I could, I remember being blown away. Like I could respond to a message by somebody in California and I'm in Jersey. Um, but you'd have to wait 24 hours for a response. Cause what would happen is I would, I would respond. It would get uploaded from my local BBS um, bulletin board service, right? And then that would go back up to the Usenet service and then they would download it wherever they were and that person would have to dial up. So it was typically a day or day and a half. It was almost like email. It was almost like Reddit email. <laughs> so you would be waiting to see that person's response, but mm-hmm. it was long form back then. It wasn't very short like you see internet comments now because people took time because it was going to be a while. So I remember reading posts um, that was like a couple of pages long. And by the way, because I um I don't know if we've talked about this yet on the podcast, and I know you certainly know this, that I'm a fan of retro computers or rebuild Commodore computers and things like that. Um, you can go back in time. So you can literally go to the forums like it's 1991. Wow. And 
yeah, and what happens is these forums, so you sign up every day, then they say this is that day. So, uh, you know, whatever the day is in your current year will be the day of that year. And then they kind of, it's like a, it's like a living time capsule because all those messages were saved. And it's super interesting to go back and to see how people wrote back then. Uh, I mean, there were still trolls, right? But you could see how people addressed it. And um, it was definitely more long form. It was more well thought out. And it's interesting because I can look back now and see how things turned out. But you can see people discussing current events and news. And uh, I don't know. It's a super interesting way to go back through history because you're kind of living it communally with people in real time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, you know, I still have the same email address that I've had since the 90s. And so I, know. I still have I email in my inbox. I mean, back then I used to be super serious about keeping it clean, but at some point I just like said, you know, whatever. Once they started getting rid of all, all the limits and stuff, but I can go back and see emails that are 15 years old. It's crazy, you know, like me and you emailing each other about like StarCraft or, you know, whatever if we were playing. Um, what the heck were we playing at the time? Myth. Um, oh, yeah. And we have that Yahoo group that we had created where we could all talk. Yeah. Like our own kind of forums-based system. And you reminded me back then, too, because this is even before text messaging. As crazy as this sounds, before there was like texts going back and forth, or maybe there was text messages, or maybe it was like SMS. But I remember it wasn't a thing that you could just have on your phone, we were using Yahoo Messenger, and I think uh, AOL Instant Messenger was also a thing at the time. Remember that? MS, MSN might have even been MSN Messenger even before Yahoo Messenger. So this is yeah. like 90, 97. But a- remember- AOL took over. AOL was like the messenger. Yeah. Everywhere. So that was interesting is that you could play a game at night, everybody, we could all play. And then we could talk about it through messaging the next day, but then we could also post about it to our little group. Uh huh. That would be a super interesting time capsule. It's probably me telling everybody what new game they should play. I'm actually on it right now. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, I found I'm it. Je- I'm jealous, man. <laughs> I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna link it right here. Hold on. I'll share it with I you. I don't even. I'm not even sure if I want to. Like, I'll probably hate what uh the kind of person i was back then (laughs) (laughs) that's what's i mean that's what's great about this podcast is by the time we're done with this like we could change our opinions on things too yep i don't see i don't see conversations let me see there's a lot of us (laughs) tooling on each other too (laughs) oh of course i mean you get a a couple of uh 20 something guys (laughs) Where? What is this? Oh, message history. So I can just click on this. Is that how it works? I, are, are you seeing it because you're the owner? Are you signed in? I don't know if I'm signed in or not. Maybe I. Oh yeah, I am. So I guess it just keeps you signed in. All right, hold on. I'm gonna sign in. Oh, so first post was 2004 October. Post your characters' names, and then oh, it, wow. we talk about like last night's adventures and all this stuff. We were we were no, just no. feeling it, man. Oh wow! Look at this. Yeah, so two thousand and November two thousand and four. So this is fourteen years ago. Uh huh. Crazy. Interesting though, right? Like now it's a Facebook group or whatever. You know, it's it's just uh, we did we use whatever was available to us at the time. And before that, I mean, you know, when we were little kids playing D and D or whatever, it was all on paper and pen. You know, there was none of this stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, now, do, I mean, people still play D and D, but it's like. 
kids aren't doing it. It's people our age that are that are uh, going retro. No, there's uh, there's people like D and D's opened up a little bit. I posted on something Twitter. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Daredevil show. Mm-mm. Uh, um, Actually, I have. Really I think good it's, show. it's on, on Netflix. Netflix, right? Yeah, um, and I'm not doing her justice. She was in um, True Blood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who I'm talking? She plays the reporter in Daredevil. I'll have to find this link now that I'm that I'm talking about this. Anyway, she was talking about playing D and D. Um, and how accessible it is now. All right, I'm gonna find her name. <laughs> I looked up Daredevil, and it's the it's the Ben Affleck movie from oh. 2003. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh no! All right, here we go. Uh, and what what does she play? D and D is that is that what? Uh... Yeah, you know her as soon as uh, she's a major character. I'll 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 put it in the show notes. But what was interesting is her talking about how she gets other people in the D and D and what D and D is like now. Um, yeah, me and, and a there's couple a, of my friends. Um, we decided to go like old school and play D and D. It was it was two, three of us who have played and played when we were kids, and one guy who was always curious and he wanted to see what it was like. And um, we put a lot of prep into it, and we were about a half hour into playing. And then, um, like we had our character sheets and everything. And like, I had my DM screen from when I was a kid, everything was, was perfect. And then my wife walked in and (laughs) 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 we were like on the dining room table and it, all of a sudden we all looked at each other and we just felt ridiculous. And it was hard to uh, to get back into that like retro vibe again, and we were just like, you know what, let's go downstairs and play some Marvel vs. Capcom too. I think that might be a better idea tonight. And that's what we did. <laughs> I, found, I found her name. It's Deborah Ann Wall. And then I'll I'll, I'll find the uh, in the video. I always found it was about like role playing. So if you weren't much into role playing, mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot of fun. But if you liked like playing characters and getting in that different headspace. I mean, look what I do for a living now where I'm in front of an audience, right? Like, so I think I could see why actors All right, here. I found. Yeah. I always love the story aspect to it. I love the story aspect and I love being a a hero. Like that was like my thing is I wanted to save the world and I would do it. You know, that's why I was into comic books. I was into video games. That's why I played D and D is because I wanted to do big stuff in those games. Yeah, I I was such it's it's funny because I was the same way. I was so, and my oldest is like this now. I was so into the lore and the history. I mean, you guys remember that? I knew oh, yeah. when we were playing Warcraft and stuff. I could tell you. Now I don't have a clue. I'm like I got. I mean, I know the general outline of it, but I don't know a person's whole backstory. But you don't have to because there's wikis now. You could just look it up. Yeah, I remember when you and I were playing with um with that guy Corey. Remember he, he um he was the guy I worked with, and then you'd bring your brother, and I would spend all day at work while I was cutting grass on that golf course. I would be thinking up whatever you know. I'd have basically a week because we would play on the weekends only. So I'd have all week to think up what our scenarios would be and like the backstory and all that kind of stuff. I'd write it all up. I'd print it out for you guys. Remember that? I was like really into the storytelling aspect of it. Once once I went from wanting to play it to wanting to DM it, and that sort of transitioned me into like that's what how I got into writing eventually. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's changed. And I mean, we didn't, we should do a separate episode on how gaming has changed over the years, because we also saw the rise of that through the consoles of how, Mm -hmm. I mean, just seeing the first 
gaming magazine, right? Nintendo Power and yeah, oh yeah, like all Net- of that. network gaming. Network gaming changed. Oh there yeah, two, you're right. Remember there that were two you- major things to me that changed everything. One was games that could save your progress, and then the other one was games where you could actually um, play with other people. Those two moments to me like changed the whole game because I remember when I played Zelda, and Zelda saving my progress was like a game changer. It was it was the See, most and this is thing. what and this is why <laughs> I don't want to get on my soapbox now, but this is why I always had a problem with consoles. Have it being somebody who came from computer games, right? So when I was playing Commodore with Amiga, and I was playing role playing games in 1986, 87, right? It was mandatory you could save your game. And I remember my brother would have this. It could even be the same kind of title on Nintendo. And you had to get to a save point. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like you could save anywhere. And I was like, what is this save point stuff? And he was the same way like you. Like he was like, well, what do you mean? That's just the way you save. You have to find a save point. And I'm like, no, you don't. You just hit F5. But even then, if you powered it down, like until they put the batteries in those games, if if you powered it off. Because my dad would do that. He'd come into my room and be like, turn your lights off. And my, my Nintendo was plugged into the same like, thing that was powered oh. by the light switch. And so he'd power off my whole Nintendo. And I'd be like on the last stage of Ninja Gaiden, which was almost impossible to get through. And I would just be like, man, dad, you just ruined my whole life there. I remember when uh, your dad would come in all the time and say, turn the lights off. <laughs> I do that now, though, so I can't really talk. I actually walk around and I patrol the upstairs. Bathroom light, you left your closet light on. I noticed that your bedroom light's on. Boys, girls, take care of it. Oh yeah. My my um yeah, I can I can't even the the, the bathroom fan upstairs is always on. It's always on. <laughs> and I'm like, "Why what? Every time like why I come up and I'm like, "Why is this fan on? Anybody know what happened?" No. Yeah. I know it, man. I guess some things don't change through the through the generations. Yeah, not listening to your parents doesn't change. <laughs> so yeah, the other thing that changed, and I told my kids this, and they they thought it was mind blowing. Like um, the TV. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other day. So we had one TV, and it's what my dad like. If my dad was going to watch news, you couldn't see that. And then there was there. This is before cable TV. So you had one night. Do you remember this? It was like um, it was a school night. I remember, and that, I thought it was cool because I could stay up later. But it was Disney. It was like some special brought by Disney every week. It was like a movie they would play. Oh, I don't. I don't remember that at and all. Would, I just remember would, Saturday morning. They would have a well, yeah. So we Saturday morning cartoons was like the next day. So this was like. It might even been a Thursday night, and they would have the president of Disney would come out, and he'd talk about why this was a family movie and what was good about it, what lessons learned, and then it would be like an hour and a half without mm-hmm. commercial interruption. They'd be like, this is brought to you by us without commercial interruption. And I remember that being like a thing, and I thought that was so cool. And we were all in front of this little TV that was maybe like 15 inches across. Yeah. And 70s wood, right? And then – um and then cable came and cable was connected through a tube and mm-hmm. it had a little dial on it. Did you have that thing with like 20 buttons across and a little dial? No, we, was- we had a, we had a cable box that looked a lot like cable boxes now. 
And I, we got cable way later in the game than a lot of like my neighbors did because I used to hear about it all the time about how they watch this and that on cable, and I'd be like, man, <laughs> I would be so jealous. And when we finally got cable TV, and I, be, I I went from never watching TV to watching Nickelodeon like around the clock. Nickelodeon was amazing. Oh yeah, and it was all it was all from Britain back then. It was like Black Beauty. There was all these crazy like sci-fi shows, and then like almost all of it seemed like it was British. And, and, um, I just remember it, I was like glued, to, I couldn't believe it. I was glued to it because it was a channel that showed kids stuff all day long. I didn't have to just wait till Saturday morning because usually Saturday morning, it was like, that was it. I'd watch TV Saturday morning and, and that's, that was my TV for the week. Yeah. And that was, um, MTV and HBO came out. I should, yeah. I should look this up. Um, when did cable TV come out? When did... Yeah, I got it in 1982 or 83, but I think it was a little before that. It might have been like... 1948, it says it came out, but let's say, when did we get it? Uh, when did MTV come out? Because I remember it was brand new. MTV was 82, I think. 81. Okay, so oh, 81. I was uh, seven, so that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was seven when that stuff hit. So before yeah. that, there was no cable TV. Yep, it was it was Boy George and Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson and Men at Work, just like and Pat Benatar. Yeah, and then the next shift was the um, like the ability to to this was even caller ID like before caller ID like you could redial. Remember that like if if, if somebody tried to prank call you, you could hit a number and it it called yeah. them back. Star sixty nine. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah Star sixty nine. And that was great because they you didn't have caller ID, so the person had to answer the phone. Yeah, prank phone calls actually were a lot more fun before people knew who you were. And you could tell them, like, is your refrigerator running? And, like, you know, name three things that – name three cars that start with P, I remember, was one that we would use. And they'd be like, ooh. And we would pretend that we were from a radio station. And um, they'd be like, you know, Pontiac, Porsche, and Plymouth or whatever – and then the joke was they don't start with P, they start with gas. Ah, and then we would hang up on them. Oh. And it didn't even make sense, but we thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And then caller caller ID was like a little little L C D box thing. You you had a yeah. remember that mm-hmm. thing? It was like yeah. advanced technology and you plug that into your house line. Um and then you could see what was being called on that. That wasn't actually on the phone. It was like an adapter for phones. Yeah. Yep. It got transmitted over the same over the, the phone lines, but your phone didn't have any way to display it. And then a couple of years later, they figured, why don't we just build a little screen onto the phones? And then phones started showing it. Yeah, and then phones became wireless, mm-hmm. where you could walk around with it without the cord. Right. And then somewhere along the lines, there was answering machines because I remember. Yeah, if- with the tape, you had a tape. <laughs> yeah. Because what would happen is if your friends were trying to call and your mom was on the phone, there was no way they were getting through. Mm-hmm. Unless you had that friend that like, was like, can you do an emergency, an operator override? Was There was like something you could do. Right. The operator yep. would get in line and be like, this is an emergency. Someone's calling for Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yep. And yep. collect calls. Yes. I have a collect call from Mom, come pick me up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you <accept> the charges? <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, all yeah, that stuff, all that stuff's gone. People never know. I know. Uh, yeah, I was just I was just thinking of something else too, and it, it slipped my mind. But it was another one of those gems from back then. Well, I remember carrying always. I had a little tiny, like Ziploc bag with two dimes because phone uh, calls were twenty cents, and you could find a payphone booth. That was kind of like, which is weird too, because my youngest doesn't have a phone yet. But when I was when I was that age. I had two dimes, so I could call my parents if I was in trouble. And nowadays, I'm like, it's actually weird that she can't. But my oldest one can because she has an uh, an iPhone. Yeah, so remember the whole latchkey kid thing? Remember that that yeah. phrase was coined? So I was one of those. Yeah, I was and when too. I was, when I was in second grade, I had this like pouch that I had attached to my belt. And in the pouch was our house key. And so I would just unzip that and let myself into the house and wait until my parents got home from work. It was a couple hours or whatever, but usually I wouldn't even stay home. I would just, you know, let myself in, put my school books down, hop on my bike and I was out, you know, yeah. and I wouldn't come home until I heard, uh, heard mom yelling in German through the neighborhood. That's when I knew. All right. <laughs> it's time well, to we, go home. They, you didn't like, we always got the phone call at home to check. No, I never got any of that. If I did, I don't remember it. Yeah. And how terrifying that must have been for you to be the younger sibling. Because I remember being a latchkey kid and I'm like, I'm in charge now. Yeah. I'm the older brother. Me and my brother were like, we kind of always went our own separate ways. So I think we we shared some of the same friends in the neighborhood. And so we would do some stuff together. But um, especially once we moved, he basically had his friends. I had my friends and that our, our paths didn't cross again. Almost never. How, how many years are apart are you guys? We're two years apart. He's yeah. two years older than I. So you're even closer. I thought you, for some reason I thought you guys were longer than my brother and I are four. But, but I, I never, I never had to deal with payphones because again I lived in this development, and so I was just always, you know, in in the development. There was, I never. It was my own little kind of like a little community, you know. Yeah. I never left it. I, I think I remember one time leaving it. Um, to go to like a corner store or something like that. There was some general store and it was a, a friend of mine used to do it all the time, but it freaked me out. And I went there with like a dollar and bought a candy bar and I thought I was on the greatest adventure ever. And meanwhile, it was like one street away from where I would usually hang out. It wasn't even that far away. Well, that's back when, um, I mean, we didn't even get into this, but I I remember explaining this to my kids for the first time. Um, whenever you would go to a store like that, and a lot of times it was in pizza stores too, there was always an arcade machine. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember taking my bike with quarters to go play Frogger, which was at Mm -hmm. the pizza place. And that was probably, gosh, maybe a mile away, somewhere around there, maybe a little less. And that was like, it wasn't an arcade arcade, but that's where an arcade machine was. And Uh it didn't matter what time of day you went, there was going to be another kid in front of you with a line of quarters. Yeah. I, I I fell in love with video games literally as soon as I first touched them. And when, when we would go, I remember my elementary school would go on, on like class trips to the roller rink and I'd skate around for a little bit, but mostly I would just go to play, you know, in the arcade games there, I'd play spy hunter and Paperboy and all that kind of stuff. And then I remember going to visit my, my family. Um, and we would go to this one restaurant that had an arcade and I would, you know, I would be rushing to finish 
um, dinner because I knew my aunt was going to give me a handful of quarters and then I'd go do the same thing. I'd just play, play video games. It was like my thing. And then, you know, the Atari came out, Nintendo and all that kind of stuff. And, and that was, that was pretty much my, uh, that was my world for a long time. Yeah. I don't even know if roller rinks are around anymore, but I clearly remember I had a birthday party there and yeah. I remember no, they still have them. that's where I saw Michael Jackson thriller video was nice. It was like a thing. You'd go into a room and kids would be crying. <laughs> it was like intense. Like nobody had ever I, seen a video like I, that. I saw that video when it debuted on MTV. It was like a big deal. It was a countdown and everything. They they yeah. um it was almost like a, a movie premiere in some ways. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was it that's it's hard to explain that to here's the other thing that I I was reading about that the other day. Um be, like what you just said. The fact that you remember the premiere of like the video, right? In our generation, there's a lot of shared experience like that. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can cite things like Star Wars being one of them, right? So if you meet someone else that's within your age range from that generation, they have that same shared experience. But nowadays with YouTube and Netflix and streaming, those pockets are, are a lot smaller. So as kids get older they'd be like remember growing up and they're like oh i never watched that show there's a lot of that now whereas ours is all the hanna-barbera cartoons oh totally it's like that's all we had so there's more you, um, you mentioned show. growing pains right family ties yeah silver spoons up. yeah all that stuff you're right right different yeah. strokes so it's interesting because um, there's more of a communal aspect within the age demographic and it's actually you see that with generations older than us too. Um, yeah. Cause back. they just have so many more options, you know, like right now you can YouTube, you can Netflix, you can watch TV, you can stream this, you know, play that. I mean, there's literally, there's no, no kid has any excuse for being bored. Like if my kids say they're bored, I just look at them like, what is your problem? I, when I was a kid, I had a paper and pencil. That was, that was what I had to do. Especially and you walked it was five, raining. five miles in the snow. Yeah. Up, uphill in the snow. Right. And then um, the other thing is, um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, um, um, we were talking about, oh, so what I was going to say is the exception to that, which I think is super cool, um, is that I think there's a larger percentage, or there definitely is a percentage, it's not just me thinking this, of the, the especially my kids' generation, that play video games and so there's a shared communal experience going on right now with Fortnite, and there was oh, yeah. with overwatch and then there was with minecraft and so like there's these movements and i don't have that with my generation because gaming was not like a thing like i was a nerd to be yeah. gaming but that generation has this shared experience of like remember battle royale and mm -hmm. playing this game and uh, it's super interesting. And my kids have met other kids on Xbox, same age from like different parts of the country um, that, they, that they talk to every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really, um, that part's really cool. 
Yeah, well, so so comic books is another thing that was like, you know, oh, yeah. comic books, D&D, and video game. And video games less so. Like video especially when the Nintendo Entertainment System came out, like everyone had one of those. But comic books and D&D were very niche. And if you were into that kind of stuff, you had uh, five to, to ten people in your entire school that shared that as a love. But you want to talk about communal a bonding experience you know your D crew was like that was your crew or, or the crew that you went to comic book conventions with if you were lucky enough to get a ride to one like that was that was like a special thing now kids know all about every single comic book there is and it's got they've never read one like all the every single movie you know you look at the top five grossing movies every year and three of them are going to be guaranteed avengers or x-men or you know um one of those yeah, and you know what's super interesting, man? Um, I don't know if you saw it, but Scott Johnson just did another special in- interview with Chris Mensim. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did? No, I want yeah, yeah. to listen to you got to check it out. Uh, you'll see a special episode of The Incident that literally just came out. Um, and what was really awesome that they both pointed out that I hadn't really verbalized or thought about before is – in our generation, because there wasn't so much of it, there was this real respect for the art and the artist itself. Mm-hmm. You were you were just so happy that something like that got created or that there, there's actually a comic book on that. That there was this respect. And nowadays there's not. Like they got into talking about like uh, the new Star Wars movie and people attacking him for his vision, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, just forgetting at the end of the day, it's a human being that was super passionate about star Wars. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, it's almost, um, and Scott talks about this too, is that, uh, and it, I don't know if you've seen any of the new stuff going on in battle for Azeroth, which I really like is that basically, and this isn't spoiler because this is general news now, but basically, so this game's been out, man, when did we play it? Like 2004 when we first played it, don't, right? So don't do it to me, Dave. Don't do it to me, Dave. Don't don't spoil it for you. Don't, don't put don't put the needle in my arm again. Don't. <laughs> no, nah, this won't. I this won't. <laughs> I, I don't I don't push push video games on anybody. But I just want to use this as an example because I think this is an example where you'll feel this too. So, mm-hmm. fourteen years, we've all seen the, the. We know that Night Elf City has a big um, tree, and we, that Lord Iran is where the undead were, and uh, where Kev walked around with his funny haircut, right? And we went to Scarlet Halls and all that, right? Well, Sylvanas burns down freaking Tedrasil and kills everybody. And then in retaliation, the Alliance comes and takes over Lordaeron. So it's huge game-changing things, right? And people, when I saw that, I actually felt, and I have characters on both Alliance and Horde. And when I'm playing that character, I'm like, for a while, I haven't felt that like, if I'm an alliance, because they did a lot of stuff in Legion with classes. So you just felt like, yeah, I'm a mage or I'm a shaman yeah. or you didn't feel like, no, I'm part of the horde. Right. And you yeah. do feel that because you feel wronged. You feel like your city was taken from you. You feel like there's just this wrong going back and forth. And I felt that that's great storytelling. And mm-hmm. other people have said, who are the writers to mess with my world like that? Right. And that's something you wouldn't see. Um, and, um, they brought up Chris and Scott brought up the fact of like Captain America when it was they had that new story arc recently where it was saying yeah, he was a hydrate right yeah and, oh yeah people went crazy right and of course he wasn't but it, it's like you have to let the story play out you because what I fear is that people won't want to tell the stories then because there's so much hate 
yeah. or you just cater to this fan base that's just you know you're just getting more of the same because that's all that people will tolerate like take some risks i mean when i read you know george r martin and, and the um the song of um fire and ice stuff yeah and he basically kills the main character in the first half of the first book you're like okay like this is this is uh this is totally different than what I'm accustomed to because <laughs> yeah. usually they always find a way. I mean, Spider Man's probably died like 700 times by now, and Batman and everybody else. You know, they just always find a way to come back, and that was like super bold. And I'm all for them. You know, hey, listen, take a chance, do something cool. What's the worst that could happen? Exactly, and I think that's what you're starting to see with Star Wars and other things too. Is people say no, this is mine, I own it, and you're kind of there to cater to my vision of what it is. Well, they probably still have Luke Skywalker underoos on too. Like some of these guys need to chill out a little bit, you know? Like they still have the sheets on their bed with the lightsabers and stuff. Like, come on. Yeah. You can go watch the original ones if you really if you want to for the four billionth time. Yeah. So I think, I guess what I'm saying, my bigger question in listening to that and some of the things we thought about today is that are we in an environment today where uh, some of these movies are going to be catering to the like the the, the base appeal, or are we going to see some like the um, like the Matrix when that stuff came out, right? And they do mention this in the pot. Like, yeah, I remember you're the one that told me that you're like, Dave, you have to come, you have to see this. And I was like, what's it about? And you're like, it's just going to blow your mind. And I was like, all right, and like that was it. And I went and saw it, and it blew my mind. <laughs> but I. Yeah. Here's here's what I've seen, and it's very rare for, especially with movies, they all take the safe route now. I mean, yeah. there's just so much money. I mean, the budgets are in the hundreds of millions. Like, you cannot have a flop. And so everything is based on some sort of a formulaic, you know, um, some sort of property. And, and like movies like The Shape of Water are so rare because – like people just aren't doing stuff like that, you know, taking that kind of a chance. It's going to be Wonder Woman. It's going to be something animated with the the typical Disney type story arc. It's going to be, again, a comic book property. It's going to be a sequel. It's going to be a sequel, uh, you know, a remake of an 80s TV show. Like that's pretty much what's going on right now. People are afraid to take risks. And it's a shame because there's like some like, um, I don't know if you ever saw Moonlight. Did you ever see that movie? No. Let me look it up. It's a, It's amazing. Um, there's a, there's a lot of movies that that have come out that that don't follow that that have that have been successful. But if you look at like the top movies, so I'm looking right now best movies of 2017: um, Coco, Wonder Woman, Logan, another Star Wars. Like um, half of this stuff is either an animated thing or it's some sort of a property that's that's uh, you know very very well established. You know, 2015, Mad Max, another Star Wars, um, Creed, which is basically Rocky. You know, I mean, it's it's rehashing a lot of the, um, a lot of the properties that that have already been successful. It seems very safe route to me. Yeah, I uh, and then maybe the people will turn to a different medium. Then maybe it's TV, maybe it's yeah. comics again, maybe it's uh, YouTube. Yeah, well, so, so Netflix, you know, in the original series that are coming out on on Amazon and some of these other things is where you're really, you know, or at least where I'm seeing people really take some chances, you know. But when we were kids, like everything was brand new. I mean, like you know, Goonies. I mean, every single story that we saw, we'd never seen before. Yeah, um, it might have been based on something, but there wasn't the thousand sequels and all that kind of stuff. It didn't seem like you know. You know, if it was, it was like 
it was like amazing stuff like Rambo and, and Rocky or something like that. But yet, you know, now everything is a sequel, it seems like, or a comic book or, you know, some 80s remake. When I was a boy. <laughs> Snow uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I think, I think my hope is that people get burnt on that and um, start to change. I, I just love a good, I just love good storytelling regardless of the Me media. Too. Yeah, I've actually been giving my kids over the last, you know, probably six years or so, I call it their movie education. And I've been showing them all the stuff that I watched as a kid. And some of it is a hit and some of it isn't. Like, I thought they would just eat up the never-ending story because it was so mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Thought, and they thought it was really lame. I got the same thing. I got, it looks Photoshopped. That's the actual term. They say. I was like, Photoshop wasn't even a thing. I'm like, it's Muppets. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. And so so um one other thing that I noticed that's completely different is sleepovers. Like remember sleepovers when we were kids? It was like you and, and it was like one on one. Every now and then you might have like two kids sleeping over at someone's house, but now it's like full on party posses. Like they'll have six, seven kids. Like every sleepover it seems like is like a whole big group of people. And a lot of my best memories and a lot of my bonding with my friends was was during these sleepovers where we were just one-on-one. Right. You know, it would just be us going head-to-head in a Nintendo game or a Commodore game or something like that, or us playing D&D or, or even doing like little projects. I remember one time, me and a buddy, we went in his basement and we, we did this like massive dominoes thing. And oh, nice. it was like that thousands of dominoes going through his whole basement and then nowadays we'd we'd record it and put it on instagram or something us knocking that thing down but we had none of that we just said all right three two one and saw how we did you know sleepovers were like a huge thing when i was a kid yeah it's well there's a a, we're pretty strict so we don't allow the girls to go on sleepovers but Mm -hmm. i one of the things i do see which i only realized couple years ago was that unlike like what you just talked about right like that's a memory a special memory that you share and all even if 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 when people it's the best way i could put this if my oldest daughter doesn't get invited to a party but her best friend is at the party she's gonna see her best friend with everybody else and and the party there's gonna be all everything's gonna be on instagram and snap Mm -hmm. and so it's like not only are you not there, but you're seeing your friend there and you're seeing everybody else there. Yeah. And it's really hard on them. Like we didn't, mm-hmm. you would hear back Monday about how some, like some party was cool over the weekend and you may ask your friend and be like, yeah, it was okay. But that was it. But now mm-hmm. you literally are like watching it unfold. And here's the other scary thing. I don't know if I told you this. Um, when we were um, in Florida in, uh, when was that? Uh, I think it was like in January, February, right? Um, There was that school shooting down there. Awful tragedy. And Mm -hmm. my oldest daughter was reliving it because what was happening was every kid her age on Snapchat was reposting a video of somebody who's in the shooting on Snapchat. Oh, my God. And I said to her, like, this was a realization. I'm like, not only was that a school shooting, but that was a school shooting like every kid that age just lived that in the US because they all shared it with each other. It blew my yes. mind. And she was crying. Like she was all messed up. And I said, honey, you have to understand, like you're seeing that from that viewpoint. You're basically there. Like you're getting the same trauma now. 
Like, mm-hmm. why? Like, you guys don't get. Like, you just there's the you know. You, it's great that everybody's connected like that, but the fact that it just went so viral so quick, and I I don't think a lot of parents even know that that happened. And I knew because I may not have known at home, but because we were on vacation, I could. She's literally crying in front of me because we're all like mm-hmm. in the same room and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was oh, really there was nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, news news traveled slow, and it was like a lot of like phone tag stuff, you know. It was, you know, so-and-so would tell someone and then like, all right, hold on. I got to call so-and-so. And it would yeah, very smoothly right. travel. Now a concept can go across the entire world in like seconds, you know, especially with Twitter and stuff and Instagram. It's just everything is so instantaneous. It's almost like the human race has a collective conscience in some ways. Yeah. And it's it's tough even as an adult. I mean, that's why I left Facebook was just being exposed to, and it, maybe it's better now. I mean, it's been a while, it's but not. for me, <laughs> for me, I was being exposed to some of the, um, the sides of people I didn't need to see. Yeah. And it was changing my opinions of people that I knew for years. And I was That's like, for sure. That's for sure. And it's an unfortunate reality. I've actually stepped away from it because I lost, I actually lost a very close friend. Um, someone who, um, I, I, I wasn't really close to in high school, but then I realized when we were adults that we had like a ton in common and we, we became like sidekicks almost, you know, every time I posted something, we'd have a long dialogue on it. And then all of a sudden a political comment got misconstrued and I oh. was vilified and that was it. Snap of the fingers. And we shared the same views, you know, it was more like I was defending somebody's freedom of speech more so than I was defending their viewpoint. And it was basically like game over. It was the slow and long kind of um, end of the friendship, which was one of one of my favorite friendships at the time. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I, uh, there's I don't know if you've heard the term outrage society mm-hmm. um, yet, but it's basically um, – and I even wrote this down because it, it was so appropriate. Uh, here it is right here. This is a, a quote. Um, let me find this right now. Okay. So we're in this outrage society. And this is what Facebook was for me is that people are specifically pandering to their impulses to judge mm-hmm. and to and to punish it's getting off on righteous indignation because there's a commitment and this feels great. There's really a commitment to feeling one right and two having been wronged. And they're like the base impulses in the human psyche. Right. And so you're looking to feel outraged so that you can feel wronged and then you can vindicate yourself and you're dishing out judgment and punishment on others. And that's to me what Facebook became Mm -hmm. is is exactly what you're describing is it's like, forget this person that I know that I could just call up and have a conversation with. If I can actually, my base desire to feel that I've been wronged and now I need to vindicate. And a lot of people, because of the times we live in, everybody's not, you know, happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of people feeling miserable at their jobs and, going through stuff with family and just in society in general. And you oh, see the, the news the and politics and so, is just out of control. Yeah. And so what happens is all of that feeling wronged comes out then as when you're going to go and judge and punish somebody else. And you're just looking for that opportunity to do that. And some of it's on a subconscious level too. You know, you're like, you don't realize it until 
you just you're feeling so outraged. Um, and I just I just thought that was good when I read that. I was like, that's the that's the switch. Yeah. That's actually what's different because that wasn't when I was on Facebook years ago. It was like reconnecting with people and posting pictures yeah, of your kids. Yeah, it was like it was like this whole experience of I've I've been thinking about you for the last fifteen years and wondering where what you've been like. Let me now see where you're at. You know. Let me, yeah. let me reconnect. Let me, oh my God, you have kids. Oh, you married so-and-so. Like you got to know them. And then those, those relationships are almost like, um, like I almost talk to some of these people more than I talk to, to my, you know, my family members. Yeah. And now you get to know yeah. them and all of a sudden you start to see a side of them. And it's like, you know, it's like any relationship it starts out in the honeymoon period. And then, uh, <laughs> as you get to know people, you know, it's, it's, um, you realize that you have to, you know, you're, you're getting to know more of the full person that they are. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it, it will hopefully it'll sort itself out. I think you're starting to see some of that backlash now. Yeah. You know, everybody takes a, everybody cools off and takes a break. Yeah. Not everybody. (laughs) 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 The extremes on either side, they're still going strong, man. Uh, well, there's another, um, it's funny. I've been like researching clinical psychology and other things like Jungian archetypes. And, um, one of the things is openness. And so like openness is almost like a self-awareness, right? Like I, you and I have a really high openness. It's like associated with creativity. And I remember like when I was looking at videos and reading up on this, like people with a high openness, like at a very early age, like grade school, you start asking like, what is life and what is my purpose? And I remember having questions like that when I was 10. Oh, we would talk about it in our dorm uh, room, you know? Yeah. And uh, not everybody's wired that way. It's, it's a reactionary. It's just going through motions in life. And you're, you're this is a very low self-awareness on that. Um, and those, when you have Facebook, you're going to have people like that. Yeah. Those are the same people that are driving through when I'm dropping my kids off at, at camp in the morning, those are the people that are like not letting anybody pull out. They're just going through at 90 miles an hour and honking. If anybody's in their way, very low openness. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it takes all kinds. No doubt. All right, man. Well, it was good. Reminiscent. I think there's a couple of, uh, this is just kind of like a general looking back. I think there's a couple of areas we can dive into and, you know, including consoles and we didn't even talk about internet. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know. I feel uh, I feel pretty fortunate to remember a time when there wasn't any of this stuff. And I'm actually not uncomfortable. Uh, let me see if I said that right. Yeah. I'm not uncomfortable to just sit somewhere mm-hmm. and not have a screen in front of me. Like I could just sit and think. Yeah. Uh, and I don't see that with my kids. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I, I feel very fortunate that we grew up in at a time when you could be a a child like there was really no um responsibility on me when i was up until my early teens even you just lived you know and especially the summers like there was none of this where like there's summer reading and so you know do math workbooks and all that like the summer was like i am out 
<laughs> and I'm not oh, doing yeah. anything until the first day of school. Like I, I just feel very fortunate that I got to experience that because it's um it's something that anchors you later in life. You know, when responsibility hits you square in the jaw, every now and then you'll you'll be walking in and you'll smell a smell, and it'll be the smell of like your your neighborhood when you were a kid, or you know the breeze when you were doing this thing with so and so. It just brings you back for that second where you can say it was pretty cool back then. Exactly. It's going to be in just uh, like two, three weeks. We're going to be smelling September. It's going to smell like school and football. Totally. All right, man. Yeah, man. It's good. 